0: Welcome to the official podcast for Triumvir Clio's School of Classical Civilization. I'm Beth, a.k.a. Triumvir Clio. Hello again. Welcome back. I hope you're well. I'm reminding myself to breathe. I'm writing and recording this Memorial Day weekend, but by the time it drops, I hope to have hugged my best friend for the first time in nearly 18 months. Or, you know, one of them because best friend is a category, not an individual. Her birthday's in February, and we were so busy last year that we planned to get together in March, and, well, you know what happened in March of 2020. <laughs> so while we've seen each other a few times since then, it's always been at a distance. But we're both vaccinated, and my birthday is coming up, so we're planning on getting together for real this time and actually hugging each other. Uh, yeah. Anyway... Today we continue working our way through the biblioteca. We are up to book five, sorry, chapter five of book one. It's written in front of me and I still read it wrong. (laughs) And this one actually stays pretty much on topic. It is about Demeter and Persephone and any tangents it includes are still related to the story that we read in the Homeric Hymn to Demeter. It's not nearly as fleshed out as that lovely poem, but it's the same basic story nonetheless. I'm working from the Fraser Translation, which is most likely what you'll find via Google. There are a couple of links to it in the show notes. And yes, I actually use both of these sites. I initially read on theoid.com because I find that it has a better visual flow for me to just read. Uh, But when I write these episodes, I use the Perseus site because it's easier to read the footnotes that way, and who knows what random thing might be in the footnotes that merits discussion. As a reminder before we start, Pluto was one of the Greek names for Hades. Since Hades is both a god and a place, the name gets confusing. So even though we may default to Pluto was Roman and Hades is Greek, the Romans took the name Pluto from the Greeks. So Pluto is still a Greek name. Pluto falls in love with Persephone and Zeus helps him kidnap her secretly. So no one except for Pluto and Zeus know where Persephone is. Demeter wanders all over the earth in search of her missing daughter until she gets to a place called Hermion, and there the people tell her about the abduction, so I guess there were some humans who knew where Persephone was. And yes, this is a fairly unique version of this part of the story. The only other telling that talks about Hermion used the biblioteca as a source. So why Hermion? Well, the way to get to Hades was through caves or chasms, and Hermione had one of those chasms that supposedly could reach the underworld. So it makes sense that it's possibly the place where Pluto dragged Persephone to Hades. But back to the story. Demeter refuses to go back to Olympus and instead goes to Eleusis, where she sits down on a rock. And because she's so sad, the rock gets named Laughless. She then goes to, um, who is the current ruler of the Eleusians. The Eleusinians, sorry. (laughs) The women in the house invite her to sit with them, and Iambi manages to make Demeter smile. And that's why the Thesmophoria includes an open mic night. Like I said, the tangents are still related to the primary story. Now, Metanira, the queen, has recently had a baby, Demophon. Demeter signs on as nursemaid, and then she decides to make the baby immortal by putting him in the fire to burn off his mortal flesh. It's a multi-night, multi-night process. And he starts growing big and strong because of the whole stripping away of his mortality thing that Praxithia, who we've only just met, decides to keep watch. She sees Demeter put the baby in the fire, understandably freaks out, with the result that Demophon dies and Demeter outs herself as a god. But Demeter tries to make up for the death of Demophon by giving Triptolemus, Medanera's oldest son, a chariot of wing a chariot of winged dragons and some wheat to sow and feed the world. Sure, not everyone agrees that Triptolemus is mortal, but Paniasus does. That's what he thinks, and so that's what pseudo apollodorus is going with. Anyway. Eventually, Zeus tells Pluto that he has to return Cory because that's Persephone's name before she was kidnapped, but Pluto's not giving up that easily. He gives her a pomegranate seed to eat so that she'll be forever tied to the underworld. She doesn't know the consequences, so she eats it. And Escaliphus, the son of Acheron and Gorgira, sees and tattles, so Demeter punishes him by putting a big rock on him in Hades, which, I mean, let's face it, that is not the most creative of ancient Greek eternal torments. They came up with a lot more interesting things than just putting a big rock on you. But that's what it says. And because of that pomegranate seed, Persephone spends one-third of the year with Pluto and the rest of the year on Olympus. And that's chapter 5. Given what we've seen in previous chapters, it feels remarkably thorough. Uh, But yeah, there is one thing I want to discuss, so we'll take a short break before concluding this episode. I really had intended this to be a one-act episode, but as I was writing about Demeter and Demophon I started thinking why why does Demeter want to make Demophon immortal what what is her end goal and I see two possible reasons that Demeter does the whole immortality thing and she maybe does maybe she doesn't really know what her end goal is now it could be a very elaborate thank you because the Eleusinians were so nice to her but what what is supposed to happen to Demophon once he's immortal it is he gonna keep living in Eleusis forever? I mean, what? Is, like I said, what is her end goal? Because she just lost her child, and one of the reasons I love the Hymn to Demeter is because it is a beautiful portrait of grief—grief, grief, quite literally, on an Olympic scale. The biblioteca doesn't spend a lot of time on any of its subject matter. So we aren't getting a well-rounded picture of Demeter's grief, but it's still there. And I have to wonder if some part of her isn't trying to find a way to fill that hole in her heart. There undoubtedly is another part of her that knows it's not going to work. There's nothing that can replace a child that that you've lost. But maybe she's still trying. That other part of her is still saying, but maybe if we try, maybe if we just try. And it, it's, that's, that's what I love about Demeter. I love, it's the story of loss that makes me love Demeter. I feel like, I feel like she understands all of us who have lost a child. And because these stories are told by men, we don't really know how women of the day felt about her. But I have to wonder if, if the Ellisonian cult was what it was, not just because it promised a happy afterlife, But because infant and child mortality was high. Today, statistically, women um, who get pregnant again less than a year after a stillbirth are in the majority. Most women who have a stillbirth within, within less than 12 months will again be pregnant. I'm one of them. A friend whose son died three days after my daughter is one of them. We were pregnant again at the same time. It is... That is very common. And it's not because we think that a new baby will replace the one who died. But there's still that hole in your heart that craves filling. And I can't help but see the correlation between that and Demeter's actions. Instead of getting pregnant again, she's creating another immortal life with Demophon. So how many of the women in her cult were mothers? Because given the time, chances are high that any of those women in her cult who were mothers had lost at least one child at some point before the age of five. I know it's a happy note to end on. I know. I'm sorry. But it's what I started thinking about when I got to that part of the story today. Like, I, I thought about all of us who get pregnant really shortly after we lose lose a pregnancy after we lose have a stillbirth after a baby dies and and whether part of this story of Demeter that Demophon part is in part a mythological representation of those what we call now you know rainbow rainbow babies I don't like the term rainbow baby that's another podcast I feel like it puts too much pressure on the child but yes anyway um so yeah, so what 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 do you think about today's today's reading? What do you think about Pseudo Apollodorus's telling of Demeter and Persephone? Pop over to the blog and share your thoughts. It's at triumpherclio.school.blog. The URL and maybe a link are in the show notes. The link to my Patreon is there too. Should you feel so inclined, no pressure. Our next episode will be Terence's Andrea or the Woman from Andros. Talk to you then.